There will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Exciting time to be involved in Bitcoin Cash at the moment. During that whole war, fighting versus big blocks, like were, were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that weren't listening? Fundamentally, we believe in markets, transparency, and tokenization. Come on, you gotta come stronger than that, you know, like. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash. On its rise to global reserve currency, this is number 88, BCH Argentina and the Fed Now launch featuring Leo Beltran. Today is Saturday, the 22nd of July, 2023. I'm your host, Jeremy Jett, is doing the producing, same as always. And our guest is representing BCH Argentina uh, one of the strong onboarders and prominent voices in one of the most important countries for Bitcoin cash adoption. Welcome to the show, Leo. How are you doing and how do you get into Bitcoin? Well, thank you very much for the presentation. Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm very honored to be here. This is a very special place in the Bitcoin cash community, so I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I want to say that I know these guys. Uh, I, I've met them in, in St. Kitts when... Uh, we had the Bitcoin Cash conference last year. And it was an amazing experience. These guys are great. And the Bitcoin Cash podcast is really uh, a very a very important point of confluence for ideas and uh, sharing and creativity for the Bitcoin Cash community. And first of all, I want to say thank you for inviting me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Glad to be here. And because when we met, like you said, in St. Kitts, it was in November, right? Uh, oh, yeah. In, yeah, in November. And I said to you, I said you should come on the show. And I said, I said it to a lot of people and I always mean it. I always follow through with all those people, but it, sometimes it takes a while because we only do three episodes uh, about roughly per month, right? And I I, okay. I don't go around and promise it to everyone for that reason. I'm I'm selective, but uh, I, you know, once I promise it to somebody, I, I note it down and I always make sure I follow through. So like Diego last week, he was another classic. I've said to him for a while, like, let's do an episode. And then we finally got around to it. So it takes a while but it always gets there in the end, same as Bitcoin Cash, you know? Yes. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for being a, a man of word. <laughs> yes, you know? honesty. Uh, so uh, you asked me how I got into Bitcoin Cash. And that for me is a very uh, interesting question because I think, and I say I think because uh, memories from that time are kind of confusing for me, but I think it was around 2013 or 2014 when I first uh, heard about Bitcoin, at that time there was uh, just Bitcoin, there wasn't any fork or any of that. And I thought, okay, this is a very interesting technology. And I and I might have some posts that I wrote about it uh, back in the time. Uh, at that time I was uh, 15 or 14 years old. I wasn't very, <laughs> very old. Uh, I was very young in fact. And I remember telling my, my parents that we should go and buy some Bitcoin. And they of course laughed at me because uh, it was, they, they didn't understand what it was. So yes, and then I, I disconnected from the community. Uh, I never really joined any community. I didn't know that there was uh, people here in Argentina who were doing things at the time. Uh, but when I got back around 2018, when I, uh, I bought my first uh, Bitcoins, and at the time I was buying BTC, 
I, th I thought, okay, I should go and seek for the community, see where the adoption is, is, going, is, is going and what people are doing. And uh, I got into the uh, R slash Bitcoin subreddit. And it, the, the presentation uh, was good. The community was welcoming. I, I didn't notice anything strange. And I thought, okay, uh, now I'm here. I want Bitcoin to become a currency of, for day-to-day -day usage. So I printed out some uh, flyers. I gave them to local businesses where I was willing to teach them how to use Bitcoin. And uh, I posted that on the r slash Bitcoin subreddit. And uh, um, sorry, how do you say uh, noticera or someone who is... Well, I reported from... Moderators. Yes. I reported from Bitcoin.com, contacted me and wanted to, to make a, a, like, a story about me doing local adoption. Oh, At journalist. the time, there was no... Yeah, a journalist. Yeah. Uh, a journalist contacted me to do some uh, interview about what local adoption was like here. And at the time, there was none. I mean, there was really not uh, a single commerce, uh, local shop, anything, accepting Bitcoin. And for me, that was very sad because I thought, well, Bitcoin was supposed to be uh, a, a an amazing technology who was going to replace uh, fiat payments and credit cards and PayPal and all of that. And okay, I, I posted that. And the, at the time I got into contact with the people from Bitcoin.com and the r slash BTC subreddit. And the fact was that when I posted that story in the, uh, in the, Bitcoin, in the r slash BTC subreddit, uh, people who were also really welcoming and someone tipped me like 10 cents in Bitcoin Cash. And at that time, I didn't know much about Bitcoin Cash. I thought that it was something like an altcoin or a fork. Or I, I didn't really know much about it. And someone tipped me 10 cents in Bitcoin Cash. And I thought, okay, I, I don't think I can do that with Bitcoin. I tried and the fees were going to increase anytime soon. And I posted something in the Bitcoin subreddit telling people that the fees at the time were high enough that I... I uh, which I am from Argentina. I'm not a, not a very rich country, not very high income country. Uh, those fees were not going to be able to uh, let me use the system. So I told them that. And after some mingling with the community, the, they ejected me. Uh, I think that I posted a video like saying that big blocks were able to scale. I they, That video didn't even mention Bitcoin Cash, but uh, at the time, uh, I was convinced that Bitcoin Cash was the real uh, project from Satoshi Nakamoto. And for me, it was, uh, it was a very revealing experience. It was a lightning experience. So yes, uh, that's how I got into Bitcoin Cash. And from, uh, from that time up until this point, I've been a very big supporter of Bitcoin Cash. Uh, we've, we founded with, uh, with Ian the Bitcoin Cash Argentina community, the Telegram group, the social media networks and all of that. Uh, the YouTube channel, which was censored by YouTube. We've made debates, we've, uh, we've made meetups, we've talked to, uh, to merchants who were willing to accept Bitcoin Cash as payments. So we have more than 300 uh, merchants accepting uh, Bitcoin Cash payments right now in Argentina. And that's that's part of that of, of what we do. And for me, it's a very big and important part of my life, of my daily life. And I always give priority to Bitcoin Cash because I really think that if we can fix the money, we can we cannot fix the world, but we can fix a very big part of it uh, because the money is in everything, and it, and the economy is in everything. And 
I could go on and talk a lot about my journey through uh, different school of economics up until this point, which I think oh, that that's what we're I, here I, for. I could define. Yeah, tell us a I bit about define, that. Okay. Uh, when I was young, I, I was, um, there is a very big uh, political movement in Argentina, which goes, dates back to the 1940s, which is uh, Peronismo or Peronismo, which are the ideas or movements of Juan Domingo Perón, which, which was a very influential president here in Argentina. And my family was like very big support. They were big supporters of that president. So I went on and I thought, okay, uh, I, I think that I am a Peronist too. So uh, when I first started th uh, learning about um, Bitcoin and the different schools of economics, uh, I, I really had to reject some of the principles of that uh, school of ideas because I wanted to accept what something that was more reasonable to me that uh, that those ideas who were rooted in socialism and some parts of communism and some people might even say that's uh, a part of fascism which is uh, a very dangerous political political ideology. Uh, when I met Ian, uh, he was reading a book about Austrian economics from a Spanish professor who is uh, a very big um, uh, influence of uh, the current uh, Austrian School of Economics. And uh, he introduced me to that. And from that point, I became almost uh, a fully libertarian. I, I can say that today I consider myself an anarchist and anar anarcho-capitalist. So that's, that's where I'm currently standing. And uh, together with some other philo philosophies, uh, that's, uh, that's where I'm currently standing. And I think that Bitcoin is uh, a very important part of that because um, we, cannot, we cannot expect to regain the, the, the control of money if we let uh, the governments uh, decide our fate for us. So I think that we should do something about it ourselves. And the only way to do it currently, and that's that's what I'm sincerely saying because I, I, I've seen various attempts to, to defeat this beast, which is the state. Uh, the only way that we can seriously mitigate its power is through Bitcoin and using it uh, as electronic cash, using it instead of the fiat system, using it instead of credit cards, using it instead of uh, compulsory intermediaries. People who want to steal from you, who want to make you poorer, who want to make you almost a slave, a modern day slave, where you probably don't have to do a lot of physical work, but your soul is uh, is almost enslaved by by them, and uh, th yeah, I, I don't want to to make a, a a very a very powerful statement here, but that's you you can probably anticipate what I'm what, I, what I'm going to to say if you if you follow the line. So yes, uh, that's nice. that's why I think that Bitcoin is so important today because it's a very powerful tool for the human liberation, for human freedom and liberty, which are core values in, in my vision of the, world, of the world. And that's something you see very often in the Bitcoin Cash community. People who are really concerned about these ideals, these, these issues, uh, they don't want war, they don't want poverty, they don't want, they don't want uh, enslave and slavery, they don't want uh, the injustice, uh, which comes with the welfare state, for example, where you steal from one person to give it to another who didn't work for it. And for me, that was a very big evolution in my, in my thoughts. Uh, and not only I can say this with the confidence that I think that I'm, defined, I'm, the, I'm defending the right cause, 
but also I can justify it because it's morally justifiable. And that's and that's a core uh, tenant, uh, and that's a core principle that I that I held uh, with 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 all my my uh, strength. Yes. No, it's not being dramatic or you know overstating it to say that it is this the enslavement of humanity is is on the yes. line i think and once you sort of come to appreciate that as you have as i have as everybody does on their own journey then it really it, you cannot you can't get any more important than that really uh yes. to be honest uh you know as long as you're past the stage of i guess maslow's hierarchy if you don't have something to eat or something then you're probably going to be more preoccupied with that right but once you're over that hurdle it's kind of like this is this is what it's all about and i love that about bitcoin that it is it, it's one of the most world-changing inventions in the sense that for a lot of reasons but one of the key reasons is that it's a pragmatic thing and it forces people to confront the things that they had previously believed right people yes. have like when let's say when um you know planes were invented and people were like oh flying is impossible but then they ha had to realize oh okay actually you can fly in a plane right but they would get over that but that's quite a small thing with this bitcoin though it's like so many fake beliefs that people have about law about society about economics about how people cooperate about uh, anthropology everything it's all yes. under question yes, totally. once you once you encounter bitcoin but and, and you can't argue with it either that's the other great thing about it is you can have any opinion you want but bitcoin's not going to care <laughs> so it's up to you yes. to uh, it's it's to neutral that. and i think that's not only because many people i am i come from a technical background uh, i'm a very I'm, I'm a very technically inclined person so i like to dig into the systems i like to see how it's working my field of uh, of studies is uh, software engineering so that's why uh, Bitcoin was very attractive to me at the, at the time, uh, even though I was a teenager, I was really interested about those topics. Uh, but when you really start to understand what's behind Bitcoin, it's not just a system where Satoshi took some cryptographic functions, uh, he mixed them together, and boom, he created Bitcoin. The idea behind Bitcoin is to have a system a function of very well-functioning parts, not to just make the system work, but to protect the incentive system that comes before it. So Satoshi first invented the um, incentive model for Bitcoin, and then he invented Bitcoin to support it. And that's why the incentive model, how Bitcoin is going to work at, at a large scale, how it's going to evolve, how it's going to operate. Uh, it's much more important than, for example, uh, uh, the, the immutability of the protocol, because the protocol is designed to protect those incentives. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't serve us well if we have a protocol that doesn't actually protect anything. So that's why it, I think it's important to understand the root of the issue and why Satoshi did what he did, which is uh, creating a, a new form of money for for the world. So when you were saying about your experience getting obviously banned and having grief on our yes. Bitcoin, it's a very very uh, common story for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, when you and you said then that clarified to you that a BCH was the real sort of Bitcoin from Satoshi. So had you yes. read the white paper a long time before that, or just before that, or not until that point, or was it? Just, I think that when I yeah. when I first uh, sat and read the white paper was around that time. And it was pretty clear to me what Satoshi was meaning. You also have the the first um, email he sent. In this, in the second email he sent, 
he sends uh he he even speaks about scalability how bitcoin is going to scale and he doesn't mention any second layers he doesn't mention any store value thing now this is not going to be for payments this is going to be for uh like uh doing big payments and everybody's going to use uh, visa or mastercard he actually talks about how bitcoin is going to replace visa how it's going to replace credit cards so it's it's amazing and yes I, it was around that time and at that time i was convinced that the original idea was no longer present in the BTC community. Uh, it was another thing. It was for other purposes. People there were for speculation or maybe they are genuinely interested in the technology, but they are misguided in their thoughts because, as I said, they only focus on the technical aspects and te technical people tend to focus uh, on those aspects and are actually not very good at human aspects of the <laughs> systems they they want to to promote, for example, um, there are very intelligent people in other communities, but when you hear them, uh, some of them, for example, are socialists. And how can, how can you be so intelligent, so smart that you can explain to me or you can explain to a five-year-old how a very complex system of computers around the world uh, functions, but you can't uh, realize that socialism doesn't work because you can't predict what's uh, what's going to be the the demand for every every product and that you will have to 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 have um, information you don't have access to for example uh, I think that's called the the um, the central planning problem of uh, socialism and it's very well explained by by uh, Austrian economic uh, Mises economist Mises so. Uh, that's because they have a very square way of thinking and don't think about their boxes, uh, around, yes. uh, sorry, outside their boxes. Their man boxes are like fixated into them and they cannot uh, understand the, or they tend not to be able to understand the, the systems around them. So um, I think that's very common with technical people. And that's the reason why I think that Satoshi was not a very technical person because People who have uh, checked their co his code, they say uh, that it's it's messy, it's very bad, badly written, and it has uh, errors. In fact, I think that Satoshi be made some big mistakes and uh, left some some very big bugs that had to be fixed later. So uh, that's that's how we know that Satoshi was first and uh, someone who understood the the human nature of relationships and understood that between was only a solution to one problem of the human nature, but it was a very, a very good solution, actually. Yeah, that, that's right. It's it's why. If you need me to repeat something, please. No, no, know. no. It's good. You're doing great. You're killing it. Okay. I mean, one of the things I think I, I I think about that a lot too is that Bitcoin is a hard thing to explain to people. It's both a, a pro and a con, really, in that it touches on so many things. So, like you say, the computer science aspect is sort of one element to it. And then there's yes. the economic aspect to it. And then there's sort of the game theory aspect to it. And then there's the social aspect to it. And then there's the philosophical aspect to it. And all of these things sort of tie together. Now, that's a good thing because it means people can and do find their way into it through all these different avenues. You know, the bit that they understand or that they can connect with, that's where they start. And then they slowly get onto all the other things. But like you say, you then do frequently come into people. And we're seeing that more and more with the 
BTC community or in some respects, maybe the BSV or eCash community as well, is if you don't have a fine appreciation of all the, you know, nicely balanced elements and you're just only thinking one thing is important or one or two things is important, you're not seeing the, you know, the ripple effects of those onto other things, then you're going to get a bit of a misguided opinion. And then Bitcoin does, it doesn't work. And it's like a very perfectly wound clock or something. Everything has to be in alignment. If you screw up one little part of it, then it flows on and the whole thing is kind of wrecked, or at least that's how I see it. Yes, totally. And also that's one of the reasons why we started the the peer-to-peer economy podcast, when, which in Spanish is La Economía P2P, uh, which is a podcast that we have with Ian, which uh, he's the, the co-founder of uh, Bitcoin Cash Argentina, uh, where we speak about these issues. And we speak about Bitcoin not only from the technical aspect, aspect of it, which we obviously think it's very important, but also from the the incentive model aspects, the philosophy behind it. For example, the last episode, which um, came out yesterday, was about the um, uh, defending uh, capital and capitalism, which is a very important part of uh, the economic system. And many people criticize it as if uh, capitalists were bad guys who want nothing but to enslave humanity. Uh, and in fact, they are social benefactors. They, they do good, they, they serve humanity with their, with, uh, with their inventions and their creativity and their invest, investments. So that's one aspect of it. And we think that we cannot explain Bitcoin Cash without, without also explaining all of those things. That's why it's very important to have people uh, understanding the thing, these things and also explaining these things to others. Uh, I think that if Bitcoin is going to be used Bitcoin, when I say Bitcoin, I usually mean uh, Bitcoin Cash or the original protocol. Um, if we are going to have Bitcoin used as a global reserve currency, it's not going to be because many people understood all of these things that we are talking about here and they start using it because, of course, it's the only moral way to do the things. Uh, like instead of using fiat money, which is immoral by nature, uh, we are going to use Bitcoin because they, they, they are going to think, okay, now uh, I'm going to have to use Bitcoin because this is the only moral way of conducting myself. This is not going to happen. It's going to happen because there are going to be people who are very com uh, committed to the idea of having a moral way of doing things, uh, who understand that this works and this can work, and they're going to push for it. And people are going to follow. And uh, that's the only way. And that's how we are doing it in in the Bitcoin Cash Argentina community. For example, you might you might have seen uh, like that uh, most of the people who uh, listen to your podcast probably don't leave a comment uh, or probably don't even like, but that's that doesn't mean that your podcast is bad, but most people who create content uh, in on the internet uh, are not, uh, those, those are not the masses. The masses only listen and we as creators of, creators of content uh, have to send the message and we are the, the, the ones that are uh, going to be committed to the protocol, the ideas and, and, and the moral stuff. Uh, and that's going to be, uh, we, are, we, are going we are going probably to be the leaders of a movement and people are going to look after us uh, in order to uh, find answers to uh, how Bitcoin Cash is going to scale, how this solves, uh, the human interaction problem with money and how this can fix the economy. Uh, I think that we are going to speak about the economy, for example, of some countries like like mine, and I'm going to have to say a lot about that. Uh, but yeah, and it can work, but 
people are not going to sit and find this, these answers for themselves. Most of them, at least or not, they're going to have to uh, have someone to look for who already has those answers and is willing to give it to give it to them. So that's what I think that you guys are doing. That's what I'm trying to do in in the Spanish community. So it's a very important part and aspect of how Bitcoin is going to to be evolving. But that's right. There's no need for everybody to understand all the intricacy. That's yet another brilliant piece about Bitcoin is all it needs to do is attract that core group of people who are heavily involved and make sure things are trending in the right direction. And then once it sort of gets to a kind of critical mass, just the fact that like it's a network effect. So the more people accept it, the more everyone else goes, oh, well, this must be fine. And then they're involved uh, too. And then uh, obviously once the ball starts to get seriously rolling on the BCH side, it was on the BTC side and then got derailed, but it was just that the usage and the value were a virtuous cycle, right? So more people used it, the value went up, then more people used it, then the value went up, and then that can just snowball all the way to wiping out all the other currencies. And the, it was just that jamming in the middle where the usage stopped going up because of the block size uh, cap. But yes, totally. Anyhow, and, and I think that uh, we are still in the early adopter stage. I don't think that we are near to achieving uh, the, the goal, but we are, we are on our way to do it and we're going to, uh, and we are using the right way. Uh, we are we are doing it the right way. We are doing the things that uh, that should be have should have done in the in the past. First uh, way, yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking now, of that, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Continue. That, go on, go on. Yeah, we got to get on, we got to get on with the price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always got to bring that up. Um, so Bitcoin Cash has gone retraced a little bit again this week. $244 US uh, down a little bit. One BTC is 122.5 BCH. So we're down slightly on the ratio. One ETH is 7.7 BCH. So talk to, talk to me about, about the price and the economic aspects. If obviously you're very keen on using it as a real currency, how does that speculation part play into things on the ground? Well, well, when I when I spend Bitcoin Cash, I don't usually check the price. I uh, for me, it's more uh, Bitcoin is worth more than its price, and I always say that. But I know that a lot of people uh, look and want to uh, want to check the price because it's important for them. They see it as an investment. They might believe uh, in it, but they also want to be sure that uh, their assets are protected and uh, their purchasing power is is somewhat stable. And uh, when I usually when I use Bitcoin Cash, I don't I don't check the price. I, I just pay it. I'm more than happy to to have Bitcoin going to the hands of another Bitcoin Casher, and that's more than enough for me. For example, I made uh, big purchases when Bitcoin Cash was around one hundred dollars, and I I didn't uh, I didn't bat an eye. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so yes, and. When, when we speak about the price, we, we always say spend a replace. If you have an income, which is, for example, in dollars or euros or pesos or any currency you, you can think of, you, you always almost certainly have a way to convert that from your local currency to, to Bitcoin Cash. And that's what, what we tell people. If you want to use Bitcoin Cash, you should just spend it and buy the same, rebuy the same amount of Bitcoin Cash with fiat currency. And that way you, you will always have 
circulating money and also you will have the same amount of bitcoin cash if the price goes up amazing you you've made some money and you you also have contributed to the um to the economy of bitcoin cash because another uh, bitcoin cash merchant is uh is having uh, is, is receiving his payments in bitcoin cash he also can use that money to buy in another store for example um and for that reason is that i don't i don't usually check much uh currently i don't have uh any other income besides uh bitcoin cash so when the price goes down it's a little bit sad for me then at that time i, I consume a little bit less but it all depends on, on personal preference uh but because i am so not not only in financial terms but emotionally invested in bitcoin cash i think that uh that the price is is uh is beyond me <laughs> i don't i don't really check it much of course, yeah. I'm happy when it, it goes up, as everybody else. But <laughs> at that time, when I'm happy, I usually celebrate by going to a Bitcoin Cash uh, pub or any <laughs> other place that accepts Bitcoin Cash, and I buy a beer. By uh, instead of a burger, I might I might buy two. I I I once invited a whole group of friends uh, using Bitcoin Cash. So of course, I'm I'm not uh, what do you call um, when someone wants like to grab stingy. his money. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not yeah, yeah. I'm not stingy <laughs> and I'm not stingy when using Bitcoin Cash at all. I'm more than happy to show people how it works. And I think that I have convinced so many people because uh, they have seen how it works and they have uh, be, they have been able to to understand that it, it is money. It's not something uh, which is uh, only usable as a store value, which can't be programmed. Uh, it can be something cannot exist being only store value. and. Uh, and and we also have for for those people who who really care about their purchasing power diminishing, we we talk to them about BCH pool, for example, or any hedge of all of these amazing protocols that help them stabilize stabilize their stabilize, yeah. their savings. So it's okay. I think that that we're covered. Yeah, I would like right. to see a stablecoin using cash tokens and any hedge, for example. And I think that would be a, a killer app for Bitcoin Cash because. People would be using it as uh, as uh, as users, for example, but they would be really using Bitcoin Cash, and they would also be increasing demand for Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, that's right. We've just we're slowly getting there. Like it's been just yes. chipping away step by step, but we are getting there. So on that topic, we've got our regular update for Celine. I hassled Callisti a little bit and got him to put out the latest release. So we've got version 1.0.11 has yes. just come out on Google Play and it will be out on iOS soon. Uh, we've got translations into 25 different languages. Uh, so thanks to Marius Kerstead, I think that's how you say it, for adding Swedish, Danish and Norwegian. Uh, he did translations to all of those. And then, oh, I, damn, I forgot to update the slides here, but there's a guy who did some of our Hindi translations as well. It was amazing. And so the community is starting to contribute. And between the 25 languages, we've got almost all the world's major languages, uh, including Spanish, uh, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. Plus, yes. we've got haptic feedback as well, too, now. So when you scan to send, it will uh, like vibrate uh, on success. So, you, you know, you just get that nice UI if you know what you're doing. We're over 400 downloads and Celine got featured in a new video from F Shinetop, I believe it was, who was making a Bitcoin Cash hardware preview yes. of a like point of sales device where you just scan and it uh, just works instantly. So I'm really happy to see 
thing things are kind of coming together there so have you have you been using selene i believe you have right <laughs> yes it, in fact uh it's my main uh wallet in in my phone i have not been using anything else um when i first started using uh bitcoin cash i think that i downloaded the bitcoin.com wallet then i moved on to electron cash which was nice and they in fact added cash fusion which is a very nice feature but i need to have something that i can uh, uh recommend to other people so i started using selene and when i saw that it was working flawlessly i thought okay this is what i'm going to be using right now because this is what i want other people to be using right now this is what i want their experience to be like i want them to be able to download an app which is not very heavy which uh in five seconds they already have a bitcoin cash wallet uh, available and i can send them some some uh, some bits that they can start transacting and that's what that's what actually we're going to be using for uh, the Bitcoin Cash Argentina campaigns. When we are start, when we tell new users uh, which wallet to download, we're going to tell them, okay, you can download um, Selene Wallet, and also now it's available on iOS. So iPhone users, which we have some here, uh, will be able to to use a very powerful Bitcoin Cash wallet that works, and I think that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, and also, uh, I want to say that the Spanish translation is very good. I'm using it in Spanish because I think I use my, my cell phone in English, but I purposely uh, set the language for selling wallet to Spanish because I want to see what other people in my country are going to see when they download the app. And I think I think that translations are, are amazing. They're on point and they are very clear also. Okay, good. All right. Well, obviously, you can let me know if you find any small mistakes. Yes, of uh, course. We, we, but we did do it. In, up until uh, this point, I have found none. Oh, okay. All right. That's better than I expected then, because I just did them using uh, chat GPT. So just okay. auto translated them. I thought it was pretty good. I was looking and I thought, okay, this looks looks pretty accurate, but I'm sure there would be some uh, small changes or, or whatever. And probably across different languages, it, it might depend. Some language might be more or less accurate. So I'm going to give the shout to Prashant Singh Power at Prashant Power. He contributed some uh, of the Hindi translations um, as well too. And I'm sure we'll have uh, for other languages as well, people will be shipping in or maybe if we get uh, demand, you know, we'll go through and we'll use chat GPT and we'll roll it out in uh, ideally every major world language uh, eventually. I don't know. I guess there's just in you know and a long tail of languages, um, but that's really important. That's been a big a big change that we can have it uh, obviously go into the whole whole world, and it does open now in the language of your phone, like you said. So if people are downloading this in um, Russia, then they'll just be straight getting the the Russian app. So I'm really hoping that that will help the sort of peer to peer spread because if you just get one or two people onto it. And then they can just start showing their friends if it's fast and easy. Yes. Boom. Yes. Yes. Totally. And also, I, I've seen that uh, the the community, at least the Telegram group, where I think that most of the discussion about Selene is, is happening, is very active. Is very uh, eager to to give advice to to um, uh, uh, to they, they they request a lot of features. So I yeah. think that's that's something very nice to to see and to look for in a Bitcoin Cash community and. What strikes me most is that that's not the exception. That's the norm in the Bitcoin Cash community. That's that's the regular minimum you see in any <laughs> yeah. group. 
uh, you join, you always see those people wanted to promote Bitcoin Cash, to use it as, as electronic cash, to have the best functionalities for for a, a, a web app or, or for um, Android or mobile app, sorry. And I think that's amazing because that shows how uh, powerful the message is, uh, how committed those people are to having a real uh, fun a real world and functioning currency for everyone. And that's amazing. Yeah. The more, I, the more you get into it, sort of the more people yes. you find, like you're never really aware of all the people. Yes. Recently I've been seeing on Twitter, there was these uh, spaces started popping up in my recommended feed because I followed a couple of people who were in the Chinese Bitcoin cash community. And suddenly then they were having this space. So it popped up on my feed and they've got 500 people in there. And I thought, what's going on here? So I had, I had a look at uh, a bit of a listen in and there's this whole debate, yes. you know, some guys with the laser eye profile pictures and some other like Bitcoin caches arguing all of them in Chinese. Yes, so yes. I was like, what, what is all this different little rabbit hole that I had no idea going on? Well, I think that recent in recent weeks, there has been a resurgence of Bitcoin cash in the crypto community. Um and even though it was probably one of the highest, um, the, the price increased the most of most other major uh, most other major currencies. Uh, but as you know, most um, news outlets in the crypto space didn't pick that up. Apparently, they they don't they don't see they don't see the price. They didn't see the price of of Bitcoin Cash uh, going up, <laughs> and so, uh, they they didn't think that it was important to to report. But even even with that uh, censorship, I think because I mean you're you're actually censoring information which might might be valuable for other people. The uh, there there was people who started to to notice Bitcoin Cash, and we actually held a debate a few weeks ago that uh, was uh, very numerous. Uh, thousands of people joined in, and after the fact, it was uh, recorded on Twitter Spaces. I think that uh, a few thousand people. Uh, listen to the debate, which was around two hours long, and Marcelo was uh, our uh, representative, our yeah. fighter for <laughs> yes, for that battle. Champion, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our champion. And the, we had another guy from another crypto group uh, here in Argentina, uh, which is not concerned primarily with using Bitcoin BTC as money, but using it uh, for. Uh, notes and all of that stuff. I think that they're called the crypt, and they they get together to uh, assemble notes and develop some some software. But I don't think I don't know what what they really do. Uh, but I think that it was a very very useful, very uh, fruitful debate where many people got to know about uh, Bitcoin Cash here here in Argentina. And in fact, Bitcoin Cash in Argentina is the highest accepted currency. Uh, Cryptocurrency uh, by direct adoption. You might yeah. you might argue. I don't know of any other crypto community here which has done more for crypto adoption than the Bitcoin Cash Argentina community. And I'm I'm not I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for the hundreds of people that we have in the community who were interested and were willing to learn how to use it to accept them in their in their stores and their uh, brick and mortar shops. So it was amazing. Yeah, so talk to me about that. For people who don't know really the situation in Argentina, and I think they find it hard to sort of wrap their heads around 
what it is actually like living in a country with as persistent and long-lasting inflation as Argentina has had. So assuming that people are listening, you know, maybe they're not don't know anything about Argentina. Can you just okay. walk us through what's the situation with inflation and how's that all happened? Okay, I'm going to start by saying uh, this. At the start of the 20th century, Argentina was the richest country in the world. Did yeah. you know that? I, I think someone might have told me that well, from BCH Argentina, actually. It, yes. had, it had the <laughs> highest uh, GDP per capita in the world. And it was the, the one of the most industrialized nations at the time. Uh, and we didn't have any central banks up until 1935, I think. And from that point on onwards, uh, inflation was always a problem here. And we removed 13 zeros from our currency. And we are on our way to remove at least three more, I think. People don't understand when uh, I, I'm very, when, when I started learning about economics, I, of course, inflation is some, some of one of those things that you really don't think about it until it happens to you. And I thought that living with inflation, with prices, incre uh, with prices increasing constantly, was something normal that everyone had to live with in every country in the world. Uh, when I was a teenager, I think that our inflation rate was around 25%, and currently it sits around uh, 113%. Per year, so that's around seven to eight percent a month. Yes, can you imagine? Uh, that's more than no, an annual I can't. inflation in some countries. <laughs> that's right. In most countries, that's way over annual inflation, or you know, supposedly should have been right. I I yes. find it uh, hard to conceive what that that is like. Yes. You know, are people just updating their shop signs every day? Or yes, what? yes, yes, yes. There there are people who whose only work. Whose only job, sorry, is to replace uh, price signs. Or you might, you might even have it, it. might even happen to you that when you got when you go to to the supermarket, for example, to buy something, there is no price tag because they haven't updated yet, and they removed it because uh, I don't know uh, the price was already um, outdated. So you will learn the price when you go to the to the um, to check out, yeah, yeah. for example, and. It's not uncommon for me. What I, what I usually do when I don't know what to buy is I go with two products, which are the same, for example, two bottles of oil, and I ask the cashier which one is the cheapest, and I I buy that one because I don't know until I got to the until I get to the to the uh, checkout. So yeah, that's it's very complex. Uh, but what I want to say to anybody who is listening, please listen to me carefully. Anyone who tells you that inflation is not and monetary only problem is lying to you. The only reason we had inflation, the only one, is because money depreciates because uh, governments are printing it. That's the only reason, that's the only explanation. Uh, you can deny that without denying your own logic. And if you say otherwise, I will think that you're a non-reasonable human being. And I will I will refuse to, to further argue, argue with you about it. Uh, at least that's that's my stand today. Because when I hear some people from rich countries uh, saying that inflation is transitory or that's not it's not a problem of uh, economic um, malfunction and chaos caused by the governments, and they rather uh, uh, they rather find another culprit like wars or uh, famines or um, uh, droughts. That's what you call it when there droughts, is no yeah, no droughts, rain. Yeah, yeah. Droughts. Yeah. Okay, uh, they are lying to you. And they know they're lying. And that's why I think that anyone who says that 
is uh, intentionally trying to misguide you. Uh, having said that, uh, I know that because politicians in Argentina have a, are very famous for trying to misguide people, trying to manipulate people, trying to, to uh, they understood the power of central banking and they use it better than anyone else in the world. And in fact, there was only one candidate here in Argentina. We This year, we're going to have uh, presidential elections. There was only one who proposed to eliminate the central banking and the central banking system. He wants to remove the central bank uh, altogether. And all of the other political factions, which are at odds with each other, agreed that uh, the central bank was good and didn't need to be removed. So, oh, wow. yes, that's... You, you might imagine that when people who don't get well in anything uh, agree on that, that's because you know that's where they steal from. And Argentina was a rich country. It's not anymore. Uh, it doesn't have to do anything with the resources you have. It doesn't have anything to do with how many uh, external uh, companies, uh, um, corporations you have in your country, because there are people who say that, uh, I don't know, Chinese uh, or British or Canadian companies are plundering our resources. That's not true. Uh, they're just doing businesses as anyone, as anyone else. And there are many uh, countries who receive investments from other countries and they don't get poorer, they get richer. So that's yes. a complete lie. Uh, it's only because they have control the supply of money. They have full control of how we are going to do the payments. They have full control of a very important aspect of our lives. And people here don't know what to do with their money, so they don't usually save it. And which brings me to the second most ridiculous thing you're going to hear about Argentina today. One is the inflation. The second is you can't legally buy any other currency. Uh, you can't. Uh, that's it. Yes. <laughs> if that's you want it. They're to all buy, banned. <laughs> they're all, all banned. banned. All, if you, all illegal. <laughs> you, you cannot, for example, go to... Um, to a bank and exchange your, your national currency for dollars or euros. It's illegal. I mean, illegal. You sh it's, <laughs> you supposedly will go, will go to jail if you do that. So uh, that's, that's something so stupid. It doesn't exist in any other country in the world, or at least I don't think that there are many countries in the world who have this system. But the only reason they do that is because there are two prices. Let's, let's say that there are two prices that we have. The official price of the US dollar, which is a fixed price, uh, uh, which is fixated by the government. And if you do, if you do know something about economics, is uh, government cannot and will should not fix any price uh, because that's that's completely uh, going to create uh, a disaster for that product. And that in this thing, uh, in this case, sorry, the product that they are going, they are fixating the the price of is. Uh, another national currency uh, and that price is 50% the value of the blue market or illegal market of uh, the US dollar which is the price at uh, other at which other people uh, buy their their US dollars because although it's illegal you have many places uh, some of them which are at plain sight where you can go in and buy and exchange uh, pesos for US dollars so that's another issue here that we don't even have an, an official way to invest or save or do anything with our money. And if you uh, understand anything about economics, the only way to make a, a nation grow and to get richer is by saving, uh, by consuming less than what you, you earn. And, 
that's that's only possible if you have a, a full system that supports that, and we don't have that here. So what we are doing right now is Argentina is decreasing. Uh, it's it's eating its supply of capital, and when that runs out, we're going to be one of the um, one of the poorest countries in the world. So that's only going to be reversed if we adopt any other currency that's not the national currency. And I want that currency to be Bitcoin Cash. And today it is possible to adopt that currency, uh, Bitcoin Cash, if you are here in Argentina, because you can. I don't. I don't think that you can fully live off Bitcoin Cash, but you can buy many of the things you need using Bitcoin Cash. And that way you can save, you can spend, you can do anything you want with your money. And the government doesn't have a say on what you do. And you can actually uh, increase your wealth by using and promoting Bitcoin Cash. And I don't mean that you're going to be rich in one night, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that if everyone does that, uh, then Bitcoin Cash gets uh, adopted more and people start using it and they are going to, um, we're, we're going to have a fully functioning parallel economy that is not affected by, but why it's not affected by what the government says or does. So that's what we want to do. In fact, what we're doing with Bitcoin Cash Argentina is trying to create an economy our, our government cannot destroy, which is, yes. has been almost impossible for the that's last 20 years, but it's going to, that, that's what we're actually trying to do. Yes, yes, everybody thinks. If you have any question, please ask. Yeah, no, no, that's, well, that's a crazy way of putting it. You're trying to create an economy that your government can't destroy, because everywhere in the world, people are so used to the government going on and on. They probably do the same in Argentina about, they're trying to create growth, they're trying to promote innovation, they're trying to bring yes. jobs, you know, all of that is somewhat of a, of a lie it's always work. a tale but uh yes. yeah it never it never works it's always a bit of a grift and a lie but the in your case they are actively like it's not even just they're they're sort of skimming off the top they're actively suppressing any chance of the country recovering yes yes, yes. Wow. and for example the agrarian sector here which is the biggest um and most important uh part of our economy um they get taxed any anytime they export anything and if you do the math, uh, what the government keeps from the full, um, what, they, what they produce, it's around 70%. Wow. So imagine having, producing anything and having the government steal 70% of what you produce, of what is yours. And imagine uh, if we didn't anymore. have resources, because even with those taxes, they still choose to uh, do those uh, economical activities. It's, it's still profitable to them. Uh, so it's it's completely amazing. So I think that if we uh, have something like Bitcoin Cash used uh, used um, widely, we would probably have one of the biggest growing economies in the world. But that's something that we have to test. We have to see, and we can do that until uh, Bitcoin Cash is um, is used by 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 everyone here. That's why we want to to get more people to know about it. So is it safe to assume that? guns are also illegal well it's not as bad as in other parts of the world i i mean well like uh, i hear 75 percent, and i'm like why aren't people shooting other people over this that is <laughs> well that's uh the, the only guns are not illegal here there are some guns that are banned uh but there are other guns that are, uh, you can you can use but uh what's almost impossible is to carry and there, there is um there is no possibility of concealed carry 
unless you're a judge or a politician, they will not give you that possibility. And we also don't have a very strong gun culture. But when you look at the laws and other uh, and in here and compared to to other countries, we're actually pretty not, we're not as restrictive as you may think. Like for example, I I was able to to buy my my pistol without any much trouble. I had to wait some month until they gave me my my permit, but I was able to do it because uh, it's it's legal here and I can use it to defend myself. But here in my house only, outside of my house, I'm I'm only at the mercy of the criminals and the police. Yeah, that's a better position than Canada. You can't legally defend yourself with a gun, and yes. it's only for hunting. And, yes, and well, here you can, uh, if you have like uh, acres of, of land, you can, if you own that, you can use it inside of your of your, um, of your land, and nobody should say you should say anything to you. And in fact, I think that regulations only apply to bigger cities in Argentina. Uh, if you go inside a smaller city, I think that's probably because you know the the police officer or uh, some other guy. Probably you can you can pretty much do whatever you want. And uh, but technically it's not legal. I mean, uh, but the fact is that most people here uh, fear um, being assaulted. They fear being uh, well. Of course, we have a very high crime rate because of the increased poverty. We have around 45% of our population currently living in poverty, which is very high. And that with poverty, of course, increases uh, criminal activity uh, and violent criminal activities also increasing here. But that's something that we will have to see. Uh, also, the candidate who, who was for abolishing the central bank was for eliminating all restrictions for caring. Uh, he was in favor of free caring. So that's that's something nice to hear for once in a while. But the, the fact is that most politicians would want to ban all guns altogether because they take, for example, the example for, of uh, other countries and they say, well, look what happens in the United States, for example, without ever considering that all of the mass shootings happen in free gun zones, for example, in areas where guns are not allowed. And probably it's going to be a matter of teaching people uh, that they have the, the inherent right to defend themselves. Uh, especially from the people governing them. But since we don't have, we have the culture of people not obeying the government, but we don't have the people, uh, the culture of people understanding they have inherent rights. So for example, if we uh, had someone like uh, a Southern American living here, it would be the best combination, for example, for because uh, that person would understand he has certain inalienable, inalienable rights and he will also not trust the government because the government always uh, destroys everything it touches. So uh, it will be it will be awesome. <laughs> I'm I, I think that I have that culture, but most people don't think like 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 myself. So I have to live with it. I have to adapt myself to the environment. Yes. So on that on that topic, I'm curious what it's like for Argentinians and traveling. You know, I've I've traveled around a lot of the world and I've met Argentinians yes. just like I've met people from every. Uh, part of the world, but I've never been to Argentina. And one of the things uh, about traveling is you meet people from lots of different countries, but you're, that's not a good uh, representation no, of that country not. because it's the ones who are out, <laughs> you know, the adventurous ones who are traveling, right? So it's not uh, an accurate sample. So when you said, oh, you just assumed that like 25% and then 100% inflation maybe was just happening in the whole world, how would you know otherwise? What is that like for 
Argentinians that are traveling and stuff like that. Do you, does that firstly do they is there a lot of traveling out of Argentina? Maybe the economics makes it difficult. And secondly, even if there is, does that mm-hmm. then change their opinion as to wait? This is not normal. Like, well, uh, for one, I think that most of the that there are people who who are migrants who um, leave Argentina and never come back because they want to look for a better life. And I don't I don't blame them. I mean, that's what most people would do in a normal situation. For some people, it's intolerable. Uh, they go to places like Europe, Australia, United Kingdom, uh, United States, uh, th- those places. Many people here go to Spain or Italy because they they have the citizenship. Uh, we have a lot of immigration from from those places in the 20th century, so that's why many people uh, might uh, may access freely to to the European Union without any issues because they have the, their uh, citizenship from there. Uh, and those people actually, uh, I think that I'm not a good representation of what an Argentinian an Argentinian in in overseas is, is like because I'm very libertarian and although I don't like uh, my government I don't like what they are doing in Europe or in other places for example so I'm uh, for example Canada I, I I don't like what they are doing there it's it's very sad for me to see how many people uh, simply go on with okay but the government says so and it's okay we have to do what they're telling you that what they are telling us we have this innate ability to uh, to find the the suspicious th- the suspicious thing about what our government is telling us, so we always are like uh, we we like to keep our distance. But there are people who would rather live in in countries like Canada or Europe, even with all of those regulations, because they think that Argentina is is, is just a bad country, has nothing good has nothing good to offer, and. Uh, it's just outside of any possible salvation. Uh, so they they would yeah. rather live in another place and let the country burn uh, because supposedly Argentina is just bad and Europe is good, United States is good, uh, Canada is good, and and that's it. <laughs> but I don't well, think so- that's the case. I think that there are good things in both places. You just need to find a healthy combination of both. And at the end of the day, I think that uh, what... Uh, libertarianism in the social aspect gives you is the uh, idea of how a, how a community should work and how what a government if it exists once if it sorry if it one does exi- if one does exist uh, what it should do and what it shouldn't so uh, if you understand that i think that most people outside of argentina would would probably want to come back anytime soon because i think that in some in some aspects argentina is uh, is an uncapped paradise <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly curious to come check it out. So speaking of that, like then there's a bit of a contrast between, okay, well, maybe you don't necessarily like what's going on in Argentina, especially with regards to inflation, but then yes. people would say, well, then you leave, but then now you're saying, well, other countries are not necessarily doing the best job either. So in terms of creating a local difference and finding that, uh, we've had a question here from Hashmob Media in the chat. I'm curious what software tools merchants are using in Argentina to accept uh, BCH. And I've also got a slide here about your flip starter that BCH Argentina is now running. It's a for yes. 91 BCH and it's a bit over halfway done so far. So you've got here a goal to get 35, 350, sorry, uh, local merchants 
onboarded and develop a new web app and do influencer marketing. There's quite a few different yes. elements. Pitch me on this this plan. How's the adoption going to progress locally? Okay, so uh, I will answer the question first and then go right to the flip starter because I think that those things are very related to each other. And what uh, about so regarding the the software tools that we're using currently? Um, yep. Well, of course, we are instructing every merchant that we set up. We explain to them how to use Bitcoin Cash and how to use Bitcoin Cash uh, without custodians. But because when we do adoption, we don't use any payment processor. We don't set them an account in an exchange. We don't do anything of that. We only tell, explain to them how to receive Bitcoin Cash directly using a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash transfer. And that's it. We don't like to use intermediaries or anything like that. So... Uh, the first software that we use is uh, is, is the wallet, and for that reason, we we usually set them up with the Bitcoin.com wallet, which which has been working very well. And if the uh, if the merchant wants to, he can also learn how to use uh, something like a hardware wallet. And we also provide that uh, we we also provide them with that kind of support. And I'm going to go. Uh, explained that in a, in a minute, but um, for payments, we don't use any software. And there is a reason for that because uh, in other countries, it's very common, even in countries like India, for example, or, uh, or Asian countries, it's very common for the store to have a tablet where they receive payments. They show a QR code and the, 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 pers the, people, the person who is going to pay is just, just scans that QR code, QR code and sends the money. And there is a, a very good app, which is um, the Bitcoin Cash Register app, which works perfectly. But we cannot use that because the merchants here don't have that tablet, for example, or don't usually have that tablet. What they have is a, a computer where they check payments for other payment processors. So what we do is we print them their Bitcoin Cash address and we paste them in their windows or near the, the, the checkout or the, the register machine so that when someone wants to pay with Bitcoin Cash, they just scan that same direction and that sends them uh, their money. And we also teach them how to look at a Blox Explorer and see the incoming payment if they want to verify, for example, if the owner is not present. There is, a, there is an obvious problem with that which is that requires not only the owner of the place to understand how to how to use Bitcoin Cash, but also the the uh, employee has to know how, how to use the, the whole system, which in in jobs with very high uh, rotation of, of people, uh, it's very hard to do because payments with Bitcoin Cash are not really frequent. It's not like you're going to have two or three payments. Maybe you have one payment per week in Bitcoin Cash which it's something good at the start because that gives the merchant certain uh, assurance that he's not going to have to sell his Bitcoin cash, for example, to pay for new stuff. He can manage that level of risk. It's a very small amount, so he can get exposed, exposed to the technology. But at the same time, the employee, if, he wrote, if the employees rotate often, uh, that creates a problem because then when someone wants to pay with Bitcoin cash, the employee doesn't know how to receive the payment and doesn't know how to do it. If I go to a merchant, for example, which is accepting Bitcoin Cash and the employee doesn't know how to receive a payment, I might explain to them how to do it and I can extract them. But if someone else from the community who is not so, uh, so involved wants to do the same, he will probably face 
certain certain problems. So we want to solve that. And for that reason, what we are doing is creating a web app where they can uh, have the status of the the uh, of the address and also all the payments that uh, that address has received with a very similar interface to a block explorer, but uh, much more simpler for the employee to understand and with clear explanations so that when a customer walks in and wants to pay with Bitcoin Cash, uh, the employee already knows what uh, what to do. So yeah. that's one of the reasons that uh, why we are uh, implementing uh, this in the, the current flip starter. Awesome. But that's a very good question because I got asked that uh, recently by another member of the VCH community uh, recently. And, and I think that uh, it's a very big concern for some people. One thing I noticed when I was reading the Flipstarter pitch is this idea about commerce uh, boxes, like giving people obviously the tools and stuff, but maybe some branding, some Bitcoin Cash accepted here, stickers, yes. that kind of thing, right? And what stuck out to me because there's there's a lot of you know that's an obvious kind of idea, but was the reasoning was that it said that that you found in adopting people that those kind of merchandising, uh, merchandise and branding and so on makes a big impact on consumer trust because people already know the places that they go and shop. So if they go there, even if they're not a Bitcoin Cash user or they don't see it being used much, if they see it start to appear here and there, you know, two different places maybe, then they start to think, wait, what's going on here? This seems a bit more legitimate. Can you explain about that? Yes, um, that's because... Uh... We found that some of the, uh, the, uh, the um, what we do in our first first experiences was to provide a printed QR code, uh, which was something small that employees could have, for example, uh, in in their counter. But they would sometimes lose it. So uh, when someone wanted to pay with Bitcoin Cash, there was times there were times when they didn't find it, so the payment was uh, conducted with fiat. But uh, what we want to do with, with those boxes is not only to provide the QR code for paying with Bitcoin Cash, but also uh, for other forms of QR code payments, which are already common in Argentina. And by associ as as associating those two, we can provide certain uh, trust to the people who sees, who sees it. So, for example, if someone wants to pay using... Uh, Mercado Pago, which is uh, a very popular app here in Argentina, he will have to see the Bitcoin Cash accepted here logo in the yes. in the metro in the merchant. So that's uh, like free publicity. Oh, by the way, something that we do is we provide everything to the the um, the merchant for free, down to the from the um, uh, uh, to, to the instructions to uh, to the uh, if he needs to to uh, learn how to. Uh, instruct their employees how to use it. Everything we we help them with that, and of course we have uh, we have set up a, a phone line where they can send messages messages if they want to uh, get assistance with anything. So they know they have someone they can trust uh, and a place where they can access if they need to uh, to do something or they want to um, create. Sorry, they want to uh, learn how to do something. And that's completely free. We don't charge anything, of course, uh, because we don't want to make us ourselves rich. We just want more people using uh, Bitcoin Cash. And in fact, that's something good because, of course, it's going to be almost uh, frictionless for the merchant. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to pay anything. He doesn't require to provide anything. Uh, 
he's not sorry, he's not required to provide anything, and he uh, he receives new new customers from the Bitcoin Cash community. But at the same time, uh, because of this common distrust that Argentina people have, uh, some of them are like, okay, but where's the catch? <laughs> yes. You're saying that this is the perfect version of, of money that humanity has been waiting for thousands of years, and you're going to provide this to me for free. Uh, <laughs> where's the catch? And that's something that we have to to deal with. But I think that's a good trade-off because uh, I prefer to deal with that uh, and than than for example to deal with um, uh, with explaining how to use fiat payments, which I don't yes. really know how they work at all because they're behind a, a black box. Yes, no, that's true. It's it's one of the ironic things. You're pitching them, this is the best thing ever. And they say, you can give it to me for free. And you say, yes, that's part of why it's the best, <laughs> the best thing ever. Yes. We're not trying, there's no middleman, blah, blah, blah. And obviously uh, all BCH adopters benefit by yes. every other BCH adopter. That's the whole point. It's aligning everybody's uh, incentives. You've also got a part here in the Flipstarter about the, uh, sponsorships of like influencers and so on, right? So yes. the goal is to expand, get the word out to more people. Now you've got a section here explaining about how there's been fraud because certain influencers have misused their influence to spread up some yes. Ponzi schemes. Maybe it was shitty cryptocurrencies or, or yes, whatever. Of course. Uh, so what's the game plan to stand out? there well first of all when we speak with an influencer we we explain to them what is bitcoin cash and we only proceed to to do the sponsorship either if they really understand what what this is all about this is not just about uh making a one-time sponsorship we're really trying to as uh, we're really trying trying to get them to use the technology as if they were any other user for example the thing is they have the capacity to reach more people than we uh, for example, so we want to to leverage on that, and we want to use their voices to make our voice bigger. So what we are trying to do is um, getting people to discover Bitcoin Cash through these influencers, who are people who already have uh, the trust of their followers. They uh, start to they can start to learn about uh, Bitcoin Cash through these people, and also. Uh, what we are trying to do to, uh, right now is not to increase the numbers of mer of merchants. So we don't want to look. Uh, it doesn't. It might look like we are stagnating in the ter in terms of uh, numbers of merchants, but it doesn't really make much much sense to increase the number of merchants instead of increasing the number of users because we want the already accepted merchants to uh, have a decent volume of BCH transactions. So to do that, we need to first increase the number of merchants. Uh, it's always uh, the chicken and the egg story. Well, if there is, there are no merchants, there are going to be no users. If there are no users, there are going to be no merchants. I think we already saw that. We have merchants. We have people who are committed to using Bitcoin Cash. Some of the merchants are really, really, really strong Bitcoin Cashers. Of course, uh, they might not participate in the group. They might even not listen to any podcast, but they understood the technology. They understood what this is all about. And they understood that this is the way to go if we want to get rid of the government. Uh, in matters of money, so uh, they are going nowhere. So even if there there is no uh, BCH transaction for them for like a month or so, they will continue to accept it. So what we want to do is want to increase the number of transactions for BCH merchants, the ones that we already have. And to do that, uh, it's very important to get more people to know about Bitcoin Cash and 
using the voices of these people who might be influencers. They might be some from the libertarian community here in Argentina, which is currently growing. Well, we want to, to leverage on that growth and also use that to promote the ideas of liberty in money, the ideas of freedom in money, and which money is freer than Bitcoin Cash. We can, which version of money can you send it to, to another person in any part of the world with virtually no, no limitations? So that's what we want to do. And that's why we are we are willing to uh, get in touch with these people. Of course, they are going to receive a compensation. Compensation. They are not doing it for free. But the thing is, some of the sponsorships that we have done, even after they ended, the person still promotes actively Bitcoin Cash because they understood what Bitcoin Cash is all about, and they even uh, talk about it in their social media, in their uh, streams, in everything they do. And that's amazing because through them, we have known about. We have we have had many people know about Bitcoin Cash and what we are doing. And when you go to the Bitcoin.com app, for example, you can see uh, the the stores that already accept Bitcoin Cash. And maybe your favorite store already accept accepts Bitcoin Cash, and you don't know about it. Or maybe you want to buy something off the internet, and you can do it uh, using Bitgree. So this is what we are doing currently: increasing the number of users to get to a critical mass and then expand to, to the rest of Argentina. We yeah, want uh, people to, to talk about us in the news. When we do <laughs> that, that, that means that if, even if it's, it's not a, a good, a good, uh, in a good light, but that, that for us will mean uh, success. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of influencers and Argentina promoting cryptocurrency, I've got a slide here that's perfectly timed. The 19th of July, Peter McCormack, who is famously the host of the What Bitcoin did a podcast he has just decided to make a trip to argentina and he's making a sort of documentary series about money and about cryptocurrency now here's his tweet it's quote 24 hours in argentina and seeing how people move money around from pesos to dollar bitcoin dollars on shitcoin networks it is clear that people in a currency crisis use whatever they can sorry while bitcoin is important here so is tether on Tron slash Polygon slash Ethereum. I had dinner with four locals last night. All are Bitcoiners, all hold Bitcoin and understand it deeply. They all know what shitcoins are, but as they explain how people move money around, these digital dollars are super important, end quote. So I wouldn't expect him to be necessarily saying or even bringing up any Bitcoin cash adoption if he happened to find any. But I wondered if you could shed some light to us on are a lot of people using Tether uh, obviously, for the stable U.S. value, maybe they're more familiar with U.S. dollars, so they think that's safer. And also, it's just interesting, at least from my perspective, and I wonder from yours too, that obviously Peter is finding that he's shilling yes. this BTC the whole time, but then he's discovering on the ground it's it's not working, it's not happening. And his little ivory tower podcast, once it meets the reality it kind of can't mesh those two things. And then he has to explain to his own audience, sorry, guys, I'm seeing something that you might not all like, but it's the truth, which is not a problem we have because we just tell the truth from the beginning, right? Okay, so what's the the narrative of the BTC community? In countries where money is so shitty that no one wants to use it, like in Argentina, uh, people will naturally tend to the best form of money, which is BTC coin. Like perfect store of value everyone's going to run to because they can save. And people don't want. Hey, uh, hang on, Leo, Leo, just a, just even a sec. With, with 
on the Tron Network, which they use because it's. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, just start that section yes. again. You were you were yes. breaking up there for a oh. second. So okay, okay. That. What's so, the narrative of the BTC community? Okay, so the narrative is uh, that apparently when uh, you have an economy with uh, money so sh- with money so shitty that no one wants to use it, like in Argentina, everyone's going to run to the best form of money ever created, which for them is Bitcoin BTC. And apparently that's not the case. And he doesn't realize, but answers himself. People don't go, uh, don't run after utility. They run after something they can use. So that's why that's why people here use, even with its trade-offs, something like uh, Tether on the Tron network. And why the Tron network? Because it's the lowest. Uh, it's the one that you can use with paying uh, paying the lowest fees possible, at least for USDT, which is the most uh, used stablecoin in the world. And people here who trade cryptos or receive payments from uh, outside, uh, use that because of course they want to avoid paying some uh, tax money and they go to places where they can exchange that for uh, the local currency if they need to and then the rest they keep it uh, in, in, in an exchange and that's the Bitcoin community here in Argentina. That's what we found when we founded uh, Bitcoin Cash Argentina. In fact, in the year 2013, if you go to the articles about uh, local adoption here in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires was supposed to be the crypto city, uh, the city where everyone was going to accept Bitcoin. We already have this um, crazy regulation where you can't, uh, where you can't buy legally US dollars. So the natural solution was going to be using Bitcoin, and that that actually was going to happen because people were starting to use Bitcoin. And one of the biggest conference was held here in the year 2013 in in Buenos Aires, and what happened after the, uh, the, uh, the the increased fees was, uh, uh, sorry, what happened after the, the takeover of the BTC project was uh, all, of those, all of that adoption suddenly disappeared because it was no longer useful, even though the price continued to increase. So that has nothing to, that, uh, that I think has to do with this uh, flow point of frame of reference that uh, Peter McCormack has uh, with, uh, how money works, how how it's supposed to work, and actually, if you look at what he what he's saying, there are no people here in Argentina from the BTC community, even if they are as convinced as us uh, with BCH, uh, who are willing to start using BTC for payments, who are willing to go merchant after merchant trying to get them to use at least the Lightning Network. So why is that? Because they know it's no, it's not useful. They know it's not going to work at a massive scale. They they know it's going to hit uh, hit certain uh, limits uh, that uh, it's going to make them uh, unusable for day-to-day payments. So what they say? Well, they say, okay, this is a store of value. End of the discussion. This is not going to be useful as money. And Peter McCormack, I'm sure he expected Argentina to be a very strong uh, uh, nation with a lot of uh, Bitcoin adoption. And if he found Bitcoin adoption, it was because he saw a Bitcoin cash accepted here as sticker in any merchant. But I can assure you that there are no people accepting uh, BTC for payments. Or if there is, uh, it's it's no, it's not. At, at a massive scale, and it's not going to be because of an of an increasing effort to bring people to a better form of money, like we are doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just I find this whole situation it's just it's so ludicrous, but it's also tragic at the same time. 
You know, Peter has his big podcast, huge voice, huge audience. He's shilling where BTC, BTC only, all these other shit. He's even saying in this post, these other shit coins, but he's yeah. seeing the evidence in front of his own eyes that actually these are better coins than Bitcoin because people are using yes. them. People will actually adopt them. And so he's just in this confused state where he can see the reality right in front of him. But because he's built this platform, this whole lie to everybody that BBC yes. is the best and stuff. And he's just trying to prop up this crumbling narrative. And he, his, yes, if but... he tells his audience the truth, they will get upset at him. I can't imagine what that's like. Yes. You know, I don't have an audience yes. like that. I, I just tell the truth. and <laughs> That's what people listen for. <laughs> yes. But in fact, uh, if he tells the truth, he's so invested in his narrative that it would probably crush his own image, his own personal image, how people perceive him. And yes. that's something people, most people are not willing to do. Most people are not willing to risk their reputation to preserve the truth, to preserve their integrity, to preserve good morals. Most people will find it easier and uh, more fulfilling to continue lying to themselves and to others. Okay, it's okay. It's their way to do it. Uh, that's uh, a way we don't want to go. But then that's, the yeah, the, it's it's just so so bizarre. He, he should learn about Austrian on. economics and what Mises <laughs> and Rothbard and all of these amazing economists said about the money. And every one of them said that money is a generalized medium of exchange, uh, and that store of value and unit of account are not intro, uh, intrinsic parts of what constitutes money. It's not. Um, it's not what defines money. And it, those characteristics should not be attributed to money as if they were inherent to it. Only, only medium of exchange. So all of these people know they are lying. They have been disproven. They have been um, contested already. But they keep lying to themselves. They keep uh, thinking that the, the, uh, the path is the other way around. First, the store of value, then unit of account, then medium of exchange. That's not going to happen. And we know we we also know that because um, at the end of the day, the model or the incentive model of BTC uh, doesn't support, uh, doesn't sustain itself. It will die out because the miners will have to choose between not mining, uh, sorry, between mining a more profitable coin or um, or dealing with lower fees and lower transactions because apparently the fees are not getting higher and higher every four years as predicted. Yes. So it's it's the end for Bitcoin, and it cannot be predicted that it will stay for at, at least an, another ten years or twenty years. I, I cannot say that. Instead, Bitcoin Cash has has a chance at least to do it because with enough transactions, with enough adoption, with it being used as a medium of exchange, it will get all of the uh, characteristics of money that these people want to so desperately BTC to have, but they know they can't they can't do it. So yeah. the reason that. The reason why they are so jealous about BCH is because they know uh, BCH is a, is a better product than what they are proposing, uh, what yeah. they are promoting, sorry. Yes, and we just need to fight through that and get get sort of a critical mass going, which does does seem like it's starting to arrive slowly but surely. But I'm I'm a little hesitant, especially today, that, that we're going to be fast enough. I've got a slide here. Fed now goes live. The Federal Reserve have announced their instant payments network fed now 
It's gone live at the start of this month. Banks and credit unions of all sizes can sign up and use this tool to instantly transfer money for their customers any time of the day or any day of the year. So technically, this is not actually a CBDC. It's not really related to cryptocurrency necessarily all that much. And it's not being used by end consumers. It's just a more efficient banking network, which is hopefully, well, I guess hopefully is maybe not the right word from my perspective, but is intended to give uh, consumers better banking access and stuff in America, maybe more similar to what is already sort of pretty standard in Europe, that you could just transfer bank money freely and in, you know instantly. But it does go to the point that the system is sort of centralizing and it's paving the way for the next CBDC thing to come out. So I'm really feeling like we're running out of time just between you and me <laughs> and all the listeners. Yes, but uh, there are some people that are looking at this. Uh, they know that there is they, they have some time to operate uh, inside the current system, but they in, if they want to remain somewhat free, they will have to run to something else. And as you have said, um, people use what's most uh, useful. People will, will look to alternatives and there are people who are very prominent uh, figures and they are speaking against uh, all of these uh, things. Uh, I want to say that I don't think that this is going to be such a big deal because we already have that, uh, a system like that in Argentina. Uh, China has already a system like that. Um, already, I think that India has a system like that and most countries have a system like, like that where they can uh, have a single in interface to integrate all payments. Uh, but yes, it is a step before uh, CBDC goes live. But I think that this is going to be uh, not a big uh, deal for uh, cryptocurrencies disrupting because crypto, yeah, yeah, disrupting crypto because this already exists in other in other markets where uh, cryptocurrencies are also uh, trying to emerge. Like for example, China. Okay. All right. Well, I guess you're a little more optimistic than me on that front. I've got I have to. <laughs> you have to be. Yes. Yeah. I have says. to be. Well, <laughs> we've got <laughs> meme of the week here. Is uh, I've got this one that's it's a two part meme from Corbin Dallas Multipass on Twitter who does a lot of great uh, BCH memes. People should follow them. <laughs> and it's uh, what everyone thinks the fight looks like. And it's Pirates of the Caribbean sort of, what's this called? A Mexican standoff with everybody pointing guns at each other. Doge, Ripple, uh, Doge, Ripple, Ethereum, BTC, Solana. And then what the fight actually looks like. And it's the other meme of the man, the hero versus the giant. And the hero is BCH facing up against the enormous giant labeled CBDC. And that's, yes. to me, that, that is what it feels like. You know, the, obviously the Bitcoin Cash podcast, we talk a bit about crypto and whatever, but it's we're not re really competing so much against all these other currency. It's no, irrelevant. No, like not. you said, is there Ripple or is there Ethereum uh, adoption teams going on in Argentina? Not really, right? Yes. Uh, one of the things that we speak in our podcast is about CBDCs and how central uh, control of the money supply can lead to uh, being worse and worse and worse. Uh, many of the people who are promoting these kind of ideas like CBDCs and central banking, a full central banking, I mean, you having your own account at the central bank instead of a, of a subsidiary of a, of a bank like we have today. Uh, many of these people think that, for example, the Soviet Union failed because they didn't have Excel, they didn't have software, uh, and 
as, a, as someone here said, it's not a problem of the chef, it's a problem of the recipe. <laughs> These people who are, who are pushing for this agenda is, uh, is probably one of the most evil and most despicable group of people in the history of humanity. They want to uh, have a power, they want to have a power and control over all of the population than, uh, than probably uh, more, more than other people in history who we consider like tyrants. So this is a modern day tyrant. It probably doesn't look like one, but central planning and central control of our, of our currencies uh, constitutes an act, an act of uh, tyranny. So what we need to do here in Argentina and other parts of the world is to make people understand the risks of these kind of uh, solutions. And I think that outside of the crypto community in general, uh, there are many people who are pushing for this uh, information to come out, like the disadvantages of CBDCs of, and the risks of CBDCs. And what we are willing to do is we're uh, willing to, we, we want to show them Bitcoin Cash so that they can understand that there is a way out. There is uh, a backdoor where we can uh, come out and, and see the light of the day again. But this is, uh, this is, this is actually what uh, all of the all, this is what Bitcoin was uh, was created for. It was created to to show that uh, the power of central banks and central institutions is unjust, unfair, and immoral at the end of the day. And all of these cryptos fighting each other uh, don't really represent the they, they have to fight each other because they they cannot by definition fight against the the system. Yes. The, authoritarians so that's that's what i have to say <laughs> yes yeah yeah no very I'm, i i think very that i'm short fun. of words if if this was a podcast <laughs> in in spanish I, I would probably go on and go on saying uh, <laughs> oh well as you know uh from my experience too it's definitely difficult uh yes in a, not a yeah, native language so yeah <laughs> thank you for that you're, you're doing doing amazing you've already been thank you very loquacious so i've got a slide here because i know you wanted to talk to me about bigger blocks on bch obviously we've had the proposals coming up for an automatic block size increasing algorithm from bitcoin cash autist and there also seems to be particularly in the argentinian community for some reason recently maybe you can explain to me more of an interest in block size increases so what's the current thinking there we are ferocious um free market capital free market capitalists so that's why I, why I think that um our ideals have to do more with uh what the free market can do and some of the things that i think shouldn't be touched in the protocol uh we have spoken early uh, i have spoken earlier with you about this uh, topic and i think that most of the community would agree that increasing the block size is good and probably an algorithm so sounds like a good idea. Uh, what I would like to point out is that uh, there are many things that an algorithm an algorithm cannot control. For example, demand at the future, uh, capacity of the miners to uh, respond to that demand, the, um, the increased um, amount of transactions that probably would make uh, non-mining nodes unusable, but could probably sustain the uh, the network if the incentive for the miners is right. And the idea that uh, this should be put in place to protect certain applications today, like for example, block explorers, uh, SPV nodes, and things like that, 
that were not necessarily part of the initial design, but were nice additions that we came up with the years to uh, to answer, sorry, to respond to certain problems that were coming up. Like for example, how to have a lightweight wallet without needing to download the entire blockchain. So I think that uh, if uh, if we look at the history of Bitcoin Cash, before there was Bitcoin Cash, there was something called Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, which was uh, an implementation of Bitcoin Core, which removed entirely the the, the block size the block size limit and would accept uh, blocks bigger than one megabyte if the majority of the network accepted them and they actually presented some papers uh, explaining how this could work and how it could uh, provide uh, for natural limits to appear without the need of an artificial block size limit. And when I say artificial block size limit, it means uh, a fixed hard cap like we have today or an artificial limit as a byproduct of an algorithm. So um, I think that the idea of an algorithm has to do more with the mind of a technical thinker and not the philosophic philosophic aspect of it. And I think that uh, there are going to, as, as the Bitcoin Cash Network increases in, in demand, there is going to be much more incentive for the miners to look uh, to look after the, the blocks that are being produced to be able to provide services to the network, which are currently provided by others, like for example, SPV nodes. Uh, miners will be incentivized to uh, get as many transactions as possible. So they will provide services like, for example, UTXO lockup and things like that, which today would be impossible to provide for a node if we have, for example, uh, blocks of like one gigabyte or, or so. And even if we have a block size uh, limit algorithm, like the one proposed, which I don't think it's worth going to, to a fork for, uh, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't fork the network again, just because there is a limit in the network. But um, what I think that uh, would happen is if the network increases in size, even if it's below the algorithm, if it continues to increase, then what's going to happen is uh, all of these secondary applications that wanted to be protected by uh, putting this algorithm in place will also be uh, unable to run because of increased costs and because the network does not provide an incentive for them to run. The incentive is only for the miners and the transaction is only between the miners and the users. The negotiation of the price of the block space is between the miners and the users. Yeah, I mean, I can see the I can see the reasoning here. I, I'm always, of course, trying to- We are actually, one, sorry, we are actually preparing uh, some uh, paper write-up or something to present to the community, not to mm -hmm. go to a fight, we don't want a big discussion. I think that people who are proposing this have the best intentions in mind. I'm not against them in any way, shape or form. The only thing I'm saying is this is probably uh, better taken care of by the free market and the miners in healthy competition, not necessarily by uh, by an algorithm and by a centrally planned algorithm. Well, hang on a second. So I think the, this is why I thought it was really important that we talked about this mm -hmm. though, because Obviously, there's a spectrum which goes from BTC, which is like capped, and then they just screwed up the whole yes. thing, versus BSV, who then they also had a lot of these same ideas, like the free market will just sort it out, the miners will provide everything, the more transactions, the better. No, you know, I'm not saying transactions are bad, and there is a free market element to it, but even with an algorithm, 
the way it would be designed is that it's responsive to the blocks that the miners are putting out. And I think it's probably a bit hasty or a bit optimistic maybe to expect that the miners are going to take a more proactive role in terms of providing supporting services because we haven't seen that in the history of Bitcoin, right? The miners have been very passive on the whole and secondarily, they're also not likely, it's been the other way around. The miners have been somewhat willing to fund node implementations because they need that. Otherwise, their whole business is fucking bust. Yes. But in terms of providing secondary services, there's very, very little of that, right? So it does have to come yes. from an entire ecosystem. Well, there is a reason why they are reluctant to provide those services themselves. And it's because today we have the uh, subsidy per uh, per block, we have inflation currently in, in Bitcoin Cash, which is a 6.25 uh, BCH per block. And that's what miner looks after, um, white miners look after. They, they, <clears throat> they currently don't have the incentives to care for the volume of transactions because the biggest part of what they earn is from uh, the subsidy itself. If there is an increase in transactions and if the transaction fees are bigger or significant, significantly bigger than the, uh, the block uh, reward, then uh, the incentive changes and then suddenly the incentive of the miners changes to provide those services that they were probably they were previously taken care of by other members of the community. And that's why we haven't seen miners taking care of all of these th- all of, all of these things because uh, currently we're not living in a, in a stage where um, where miners, really need to care for that in order to survive they don't live from the they don't get to it from the transaction fees at all and i've seen the numbers it's it's very low compared to to the reward but when when the transaction numbers increase and uh with a bigger incentive to to get more transactions they will provide those services or at least they should if they want to to uh, uh to be competitive in the free market and that's like a first stage where the miners are incentivized solely by the block reward and then uh, a second stage which never ends which is the miners being incentivized by uh minor my by sorry transaction fees which before is jet, what we want to get to and jet, we have yes well before jet jumps in here uh, i'm sure he has something he wants to say about this i want to just make the countervailing point that it's like with the adoption it's a chicken and the egg problem right if for us to have this huge transaction volume uh which can fund the reward we're going to need all the block explorers and you know fulcrum nodes and spv servers and you know wallets and like all this other stuff which is going to come from other free market players and then why we did certainly don't want to be in a position where we built up a lot of good tooling and all those things that we've got a whole ecosystem flourishing and then we kind of ignore those people assuming that then the miners will just be like well where are all the ones with the money will just provide those services instead like the ones who are going to be good at doing providing each of those services are going to be the ones that are already doing it and we just want them to keep rolling with that. And that's what is exactly has been seen with BSV as predicted by many people was that mm-hmm. they had, or they said, well, great, we're just going to have the miners are the ones with the incentive and they'll do everything, but it's not really working out that way because people like uh, Nikita Javoronkov, I think is how you say it, who's the CTO at Blockchair, 
he's written up several posts completely blasting the BSV community because at some point they're going to just have to delist them because they can't afford all these transactions. And it's not that the transactions yes. themselves are unaffordable, just that they have so many transactions and so few users, right? So they only have yes. a couple of people asking about BSV, but it's a huge support burden versus any other coin where the, it's a ratio between the, the users and the support jet. You've got to get in here before. Yeah, so... Um, first off, I, I kind of want to approach this as a post uh, Coinbase reward conversation, like in a world where there's no more uh, 6.25 or three, not any any le coins left coming out from the Coinbase reward, then it's all of these dis different cryptocurrencies competing for a fee market. And I think that like I get wanting the space to allow for more transactions but i'm curious in a situation where you have an algorithmic block size that is making sure that there is more room for more transactions to be included constantly versus an unlimited block space if so we need to, we need to have a fee market like i hope we can agree on that we need that at some yes. point hopefully it's not ridiculous like i, I never want to yes. see another chain where I've got to pay $60 to move $2, no, $2 no, no. right? But we need to have some kind of fee market. And in that situation, um, wouldn't it be better to have something where the block size is at least slightly restricted to encourage a greater fee market than an unlimited one and people are, can spam free transactions? And they might not be included. That is minor choice. But what is the yes. significant difference between you know, in, culturally encouraging a fee market or technologically encouraging a fee market and just letting, I agree, miners have been passive, and just letting passive miners be like, nah, not this one, but yeah, I'll take this one. Yes, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I have looked into it. In fact, I think that there is a paper from the year 2015, uh, which uh, I, I say this as a, as a, as a well, curiosidad, how, how do you say <laughs> I'm forgetting words. Curiosity. Well, Yes, as a curiosity. Uh, it was the same year that the Lightning Network was paper, white, white paper was published. Yes. So, yes. yes. Well, there is a paper from the year 2015, which is um, a lightning, uh, sorry, a fee market. Uh, it can exist without block size. And it was published by one of the uh, Bitcoin Unlimited developers. I think uh, it's it was at least at that time a very big um, improvement for the arguments. Again, uh, sorry, for removing the block size limit uh, of one megabyte or at least increasing it or putting it somewhere higher uh, than the current um, demand for block space. And uh, in, that what, in that paper, he uh, explained how uh, by economic forces of risking orphaning and increasing the block size too much, then the network could not accept those blocks easily. Uh, there, there is a risk in increasing the, the block size too much. And for the reason that when we hit the technical limits where the miners do, simply cannot produce bigger blocks because of internet connections or, uh, I don't know, uh, orphan risk, or uh, they simply cannot uh, have those transactions in memory because it's too expensive or not uh, profitable to do so. Well, they will just produce uh, smaller block size, uh, smaller block size blocks blocks with uh, a smaller footprint in the, in the network. And what we want to have is uh, a market where not only uh, that can come up freely, but also where more inefficient miners get rejected or get ejected from the network and more efficient miners take up the job and can produce, in fact, bigger and bigger blocks. And they will have to do it because 
at that time, I'm, I'm talking about a stage two uh, scenario, uh, the miners will be incentivized primarily be because of the uh, fees received and not because of the uh, block reward, which at that time might be negligible. So I think that I agree with you. We have to have a fee market of some sort, uh, but a fee market not in the way that BTC promotes it, promotes it that uh, which is by implementing an, a mandatory restricted block size, um, but also by having uh, the miners freely compete uh, to see who is the best at putting transactions in a block and sending them to the other miners. That's the competition that all the miners will, will have to, to have in order to uh, provide bigger blocks. And that's what Satoshi uh, pro uh, proposed in, in 2008. Although I think that even if we implement this uh, block size increase uh, by an algorithm, uh, it will be, uh, it, it is very likely or very probable that if the block size, the, if the uh, transactions increase and the limits imposed by this algorithm starts to become a problem, the miners themselves will remove the algorithm and they will start to compete in this uh, free market state, uh, stage, sorry, where there is no uh, no limits, no technical limits, but miners uh, the the miners choose what uh, what block size they want to produce. Okay, one more thing, and then I yes. need to like very deeply read into the proposal because I'm kind of okay. talking out my ass here. Uh, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would stop those efficient miners from coming in and including as many transactions as possible with this algorithmic limit to increase the limit you know enforced by the algorithm no no it's it's certainly possible and the, the good thing about this algorithm is that i think that it adjusts uh, very rapidly and very quickly but it might happen that in the case of an exponential global adoption we might have to see some higher fees than what we would like to see for bitcoin and that's what what i'm trying to to prevent but in that case where there is time to to see uh more incentive from the miners to to uh, to provide the space for these transactions, they might remove the limit entirely, and or might we might even see some implementation with this uh, limit removed entirely, and that might become the, the the main implementation. I'm not necessarily against increasing the block size limit using an algorithm, but uh, I think that we don't need that. Even if we have today uh, 32 megabyte blocks full of transactions, uh, I think that. Miners would probably want to increase them themselves. So I think that with only 32 megabytes of transactions, Bitcoin Cash will become so important that it will be uh, worthy to remove the the limit itself entirely. Yeah, I've got to say that I tend to. And also, sorry. Yeah. May I say one thing else? Yeah. yeah. One th one thing more. Sorry. Um, I don't think that Bitcoin Cash without a block size limit is just BSP. Uh, I think that we have to to uh, deflect that idea because. Uh, BSV introduced also another other kind of changes. For example, they removed the opcode limit, which I'm in favor of not removing. I think that the network cannot be used to store data indefinitely or to force miners to store data indefinitely. Uh, the problem is that uh, people who promote BSV haven't read section seven, I think, of the white paper where Satoshi explains how to uh, reclaim block uh, Reclaim uh, space. Uh, see, uh, sorry. Reclaim yes. space in disks. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Reclaim storage. So we have pruning. The BCH network 
in the future will be highly prone for miners to be efficient. And we don't need to have all of the transaction history. We will probably have some archival nodes, but those will be accessed by paying, for example, by paying a small fee to access a past transaction. But the main network will be probably highly prone. And we know from the white paper that it will probably be expected change in how the network operates today. And the reason why block explorers cannot sustain BSV is because they don't print it. They need, in fact, for the BSV explorer to be useful to include the op return, which is probably 4,000 bytes long. And for each transaction, that's kind of stupid because they're including information which is not useful for the network to function, which the miners have no incentive to, to sustain. Uh, it, the, in fact, they don't even uh, receive a reward for storing the the up return UTXOs, uh, and they would probably, in a free market environment, remove them entirely from the UTXO set because, uh, by protocol design, they are unspendable. So that's why I think that VSV is not uh, a good example of how a blockchain should scale. But I think yeah. that we should understand that uh, they have a very different approach to Bitcoin than we do, and what we have is the original project and the original idea that Satoshi Satoshi uh, gave to us. Yes, yes, go on, please. I, well, I agree. I definitely agree that it's not as... I'm certainly not trying to make the argument that even if we completely took the block size limit off, which I'm totally not in favor of, but even if we did do that, there would still be a very large difference between the BCH and the BSV yes. community, not only because of the community, but also because, like you said, if there's those other factors of things like lowering the minimum transaction uh, fee for relays, which allowed obviously more sort of spamming. Like there's there's a big difference between one-tenth of a cent and one one-millionth of a cent in terms of the economics of storing on a disk and so on and so forth. So, and also the op return stuff. So there are those other elements, but I am wary because I do see them. They are a bit of a, a package. They all sort of tie in together. And I think that's why the... The BSV split was so, um, you know, sort of clear in that sense. I know Jet has said before that he felt like it was very obvious afterwards that people fell on one side or the other. And they pretty much everybody in retrospect was very much like, no, <laughs> we're on the right. So there wasn't a lot of people who were kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't really know. So one other thing I want to talk about here is that the, the world you're talking about where we're at 320 megabyte or uh, 30 32 megabytes of transactions will be a completely different world to where we're at now yes, in totally. terms of adoption obviously so uh right that's already a 320x roughly adoption increase from where we're at now which would be titanic to say the least and so i'm very uh in favor of this kind of automatically adjusting and growing limit because the idea is to reduce the overhead of everybody discussing and debating this over and over and over again and you could say well just taking off the limit completely does that too but taking off the limit then puts the burden onto the miners to be sensible about it and i agree that when we are at a point with huge blocks that they'll have a lot more interest in paying attention to that sort of stuff but right now they kind of don't and we haven't seen them shift their their culture towards that so if the limit is put in to automatically adjust and that's definitely good enough for let's say well for a start the limit doesn't even kick in until we're getting up closer to 32 megabytes to begin with which we're a long way away from and then even once we were it would be 
even a, even in the case of exponential adoption, it certainly won't be what two years, five years, even probably a bit yeah, fast. Right, we're talking that's what at I least. Say that I don't think this is yeah. going to a fork for. Mm. Uh, I don't think this is something that uh, we should have a fight over. I, I mean, the BCH community is is committed to to the same goal, but uh, at the same time, we don't want to risk the community having another inner fight because yeah. we already know the damage it, it does. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I don't think that's that's a good uh, that's a good signal for the markets either. But mm. I, I would agree that uh, I I can uh, humbly accept uh, an increase in the block size via uh, using an algorithmic block size increase. Yeah, I mean the community is de- is debating it, right? It's not decided. Yes, yes. It's not coded. It's not locked in. So it's very no, important no, to have these. That's that's why I, that's what we want to present this this uh, article at least with yes. the, the arguments. But I think that even if it, my position wouldn't be the, the, lead, the, the wouldn't uh, get the lead, uh, it, it would still be very good to, to understand and know that Bitcoin Cash will scale and we will not have uh, another block stream coming in and blocking in the, the block size <laughs> limit forever and getting us locked in at 32 megabytes. Uh, that's, that's something that I should uh, consider in my position. Yeah. And, Something I appreciate a lot it, from it, the guys presenting this. It's certainly it's certainly a risk and sort of almost I feel like a bit of like trauma, you know, that the BTC community or the BCH community has from from all of that. You know, you they are, those who don't learn the mistakes of history are doomed to repeat them, right? So I think it's very important we keep that in mind. Again, I sort of feel like yeah, if we had the limit in, it adjusts on a pretty good schedule as adoption grows that gets us at least the next five or six years. Yes. And you would be able to, like, then we would have so much more data because obviously it's all an experiment. And so, the same with people saying, like, after the BDC and PCH split, there was a lot of concern uh, that I think was being, we've discussed on this show too at that time that, well, dropping hash rate was going to be prove a critical issue. Now, it has been bad in the sense that it's been obviously negative for the community. But on the other hand, with the sort of adjustments to the difficulty algorithm and so on, the community is now operating pretty comfortably in a minority hash rate position. More would be better, but it's not like we're going to be wrecked overnight because yes, of it. But, right? it so. but, but it all depends on the uh, network activity and the price. Uh, hash rate follows price. And this is something that many people don't understand and I'm tired of repeating it. If we yes. make Bitcoin Cash more, more useful, then uh, price will increase, hash rate will increase, security will increase, and everybody wins. And yes. that's something that we have to keep in mind when we talk yes. about these issues. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So that's spot on. But the thing is, we didn't necessarily know that uh, until we'd had that sort of experiment and it's been run live. And I think yes. maybe a similar thing would happen with once we have blocks that are consistently pulling in more revenue than the subsidy will have yes. to kind of observe what that market is like. Although one point that does support your argument is that with the ordinals stuff that happened recently and drew a lot of new fees onto BDC, even in the BDC community, there's been a lot of discussion, I guess, about the yes. miners were thrilled with that. They were loving yes. it. There was no miners yes, that course. hated ordinals. They loved it. Right? Yes, yes, totally. And that's actually very funny because that shows you where the node uh, at your home narrative gets you. Yes. Uh, if you didn't like ordinals, why did you? Why didn't you use your node to enforce the rules that ordinals are not allowed in the network, for example? Because you can't. Uh, miners at the end have the the say on what gets into a block and what doesn't. So 
that actually has has been uh, an upside for us. And if ordinals are something bad, which I don't necessarily think they are, but they could become a problem uh, in the future. Well, we have already removed that possibility entirely with cash tokens. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you could actually implement ordinals, but it wouldn't be efficient. It would be cheaper to use the already existing primitives in the Bitcoin Cash code and the Bitcoin Cash system. So uh, that's what people who want to implement an NFT system will use if they want to do it on Bitcoin Cash. Yes. And just to touch on that uh, briefly, so <laughs> for people who haven't been following all the latest on that, there's still a decent amount of sort of ordinals related things going on on BTC, but the fees have dropped back down again. They're now back in that 30 cent to $1 sort yes. of range. So what I take that to mean is that the people who were super excited about ordinals and all that, they came in, they tried, they had a bit of fun, spent more money than they probably should have minting a you know wizard into a block or whatever. And then they kind of got bored. Like the ecosystem was not able to retain those users because of the, you know, the fees are just up to push users off the system yes. and it's a self-correcting thing. So now a lot of these BTC people are rejoicing like, ha ha ha, remember all this FUD about ordinals? Like we knew that if we just stopped and, and let it go, it would uh, vanish. It was all just FUD. But the, what they don't realize is that was like a golden ticket of users flooding into their system and they pushed them all away. And now they're happy to be back where they were before, right? Yes, that's actually very funny. And I'm sure that as the light is to realize that irony, uh, it goes over the heads, their, their heads because <laughs> yes. it's it's light. We, we, we can we can have fun uh, knowing that, but they, they don't realize the, the inherent contradiction of that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Okay, we've got community comment of the week. Uh, comes from Litecoin Underground at your suggestion. Most recent post in the last uh, two hours was, is the Lightning Network an attack on Bitcoin? Question mark. The entire narrative that Lightning Network is equal to using Bitcoin is diminishing the value of the main chain. For seven plus years, we've been sold on something that reduces long-term security, just thinking out loud. And this is quote tweeting this guy, Thomas Farah, which says, Bitcoin on Lightning Rails isn't just the future. It's here. Are you excited? And they have this graph of transactions per second with BTC 40 million, Sol 65,000, ETH 2,000, uh, Ripple 1,500, and BCH 115, which is, of course, the most, in true BTC fashion, the most disingenuous thing you've ever seen because, like, we can have the Lightning Network on BCH and we could do 40 yes. million transactions. They're not going to compare. If you compare the base layer, then... BCH is, is it's not it's not apples to apples com comparison, so it's completely meaningless. But uh, the reason you suggested it, and I think it's worth mentioning, is that Lightweight Underground, he's Grant, he's been on the show before, he's a great guy, and we were talking with him recently about what's going on in the BCH community and the scaling plans and all that stuff. And slowly over time, he's sort of getting the idea, right? Like he's obviously didn't like bitcoin enough to become the litecoin underground in the first place he must have had some problem with bitcoin and now the more he hears about from the bch community the more he kind of goes yeah maybe these guys have got a point right <laughs> <laughs> maybe if if uh, btc were allowed to scale uh he wouldn't have joined litecoin in the first place i mean uh bitcoin itself is litecoin uh but i mean litecoin itself is, is bitcoin with a few adjustments and it only makes sense if you have 
BTC, uh, but it doesn't make any sense to me having Bitcoin Cash available. Why, why would I use Lycan? And this is not to diminish the Lycan community. I, I know that people there try to implement and do some ado adoption work, but I think that they have the same inherent program, problem than the BTC community, just on a smaller scale. And they kind of focus more on adoption because they have a bigger block size, or at least they have a one megabyte block size limit, but because they have four times as blocks, uh, as many blocks as uh, as uh, Bitcoin, they, they can, uh, have more transactions in the same in the same time. Well, um, but I, I really do like this guy, and I'm following him for a long time already. And I've seen that his comments for BCH have have been uh, very positive in in some aspects, and I really appreciate that because I don't think that uh, at the end we are fighting for different things. Uh, the, he could join us in the fight against CBDCs. Yes, at least from his from his front. Yes. Yes, I think we're getting there. I think we are slowly chipping away at a lot of these people who are in the middle ground and maybe didn't know as much the BCH side as the BCH prominence and narrative and success. Honestly, nothing you know gets people interested like success, right? We were rising up the market cap recently. We've dropped back a little bit now, but suddenly it's like we were not way down in the bottom. Suddenly it was like, oh, we're getting close to... To Litecoin getting you know up there with Avalanche and all that sort of stuff, it makes people give it a fresh look and think, am I missing something here? Plus just time. Yes. The longer we're around and we're just sticking away at it week after week after week, plugging away on the same thing, have not died, have not gone away. Eventually people take notice, you know. So I think we're doing we're doing good on that front. All right. Yes, we've so got, well, I don't know what you're about to say, but we've got your message to the community your chance to speak to the Bitcoin Cash community and tell them whatever they need to hear, open slather, hit us with it. Well, uh, first of all, I wanna, I wanna say thank you because I owe to the Bitcoin Cash community having discovered the, the actual uh, capacities of Bitcoin and the protocol designed by Satoshi. I have learned more than, than I was expecting to uh, when I first came in and I'm really happy to be able to participate in this community, even if I'm not as active in the general groups like the Reddit or, or the, the international group, I'm really happy to share all of the things that are happening with the community in Argentina. And I think that uh, we can work together. Of course, I want to invite everyone uh, who wants to to join the Bitcoin Cash Argentina community. We have a Telegram channel where there is an international group where everybody speaks in English. So you can join and you can ask questions about what we're doing here. You can ask questions if you want to come and have uh, the experience of using Bitcoin Cash in a, in a brick and mortar shop. Uh, and if that for some reason is not something you can do in your own country. And also I invite everyone to fight for, uh, for their freedom because no one's coming to, to liberate you, to free, to free you. Uh, only you can provide your own freedom. And only you can fight for yourself and your family and your community. So this is going to be a little bit uh, melodramatic, but I think that we, these are these are going to be tough times. But we have to be optimistic because we have a, ver a very powerful tool, and we have a very strong philosophy, and we have a very strong conviction of what we have to do. And this is what I want everyone to know. And if you want to get in touch with me, please uh, hit me at uh, a Telegram. I'm, I'm, uh, my Telegram username is at Leo Beltran. Uh, so you can chat with me every time you want. Yes. Okay. Excellent. That's right. Tough 
well, not excellent, I guess, but tough times coming up. And uh, yeah, we, we're going to have to do it ourselves. No one is coming to save you. You've got to save you. That's uh, an American HODL classic line. As much as I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, he got that one right for sure. Okay, we've got our supporter appreciation. Thank you very much to the donators, as always. Quite a few people were sending in uh, you know, just a few cents here and there, actually on the last episode, which is really cool to see uh, as well. Thank you to our patrons, Ricky and HP. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols. Check out bchbull.com. They get mentioned a lot in the show because by our guests and so on, because they're just doing such great work and it's such an essential service. And yeah, I'm certainly really looking forward to putting that into Celine uh, as well too at some point. Haven't done another flip study yet, but it is it is coming. I'm just prioritizing on getting the <laughs> getting the episodes out rather than uh, playing around with the the flip starter uh set up so as always people can check out the faqs start guide links and all that at bitcoincashpodcast.com and we've got final shout out so you already said where people can find you and thanks to the bitcoin cash community but did you have anybody else you want to give a special shout out to leo yes i want to uh, say i want to give a shout out to uh, marcelo from the bitcoin cash argentina community and everyone who has uh, been supporting of the work that we're doing. Uh, I think that we cannot exist without you guys, the international community who have been supporting us from the outside uh, with our campaigns and our flip starters. So I, I thank you very much. And also Ian, who is my co-host in the peer-to-peer economy podcast in Spanish. So you're also invited to listen to that. If you, if you want to learn some, some Spanish or if you know some Spanish, uh, you can Check us out at La Economía P2P in Twitter. All right. Excellent. Jet, do you have a shout out? Looks like you do. Yeah. Uh, so this one, I'm kind of late to the game. This is an RIP to uh, Ryan Sue. He is a, a Australian kid. He was uh, 26. I've been watching him do guitar covers and whatnot on YouTube since I was like 13 or 14 years old. Uh, there's really no information out about it, but yeah, being... 26 it just like right. sucks all right Pete, man. god damn all right that's pretty heavy and my shout out and uh thanks goes to Callisti for all his work on celine wallet i'm so happy that we've shipped those translations that's such a big thing to get over the line thank you also to marius and prashant for chipping in with translations that's absolutely mega and also to the yeah the bitcoin cash argentina community definitely check out their flip starter and consider throwing in some sats because they're doing killer work from everything I can see. And it certainly is going to be one of the most important places, it seems, for for BCH to go viral and get that first initial surge of traction, right? Argentina, Florida, St. Kitts, Townsville, there's Nigeria, There, that would be probably the top five. So one of those, uh, we probably all of them, hopefully, or many of them, but one of them is really going to lead the charge if we can get things going viral. And that certainly could be one of them. So yeah, I really encourage everybody to look into what they're doing, get involved, especially if you speak Spanish, or if not, you can always aprender un poquito. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'll do it for the show. Thanks, everybody for listening. And until next time. So I started realizing that if you can just find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you, you're going to have to learn that on your own. 
You're going to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. There's not, there's, there's no book you can read. Now, all of a sudden, I have it. I've got the technique now. I know how to do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, a grind that you have to start and finish on your own.